Well, good morning. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Spring Valley. Um, Pastor Joe is in Buffalo this morning, uh, probably mourning the Buffalo Bills' terrible record um, with his family, and so he's not here. But uh, he'll be back next week, and we're going to start an epic life series like Brandon talked about, all about the life of David and to see what the life of David uh, can teach us and show us. And so if you didn't know, you're behind, but it's 2016, so Happy New Year. And uh, if you slept through the ball dropping, you woke up the next day to realize everything was different, right? Or, or not. I mean, it's just another year and another day, and it's 2016. And 2016 is, is really time to kind of look back and say, how did 2015 go? And then some of us like to set goals or resolutions for the next year. Um, some of us set resolutions that we're never going to set a resolution again. Um, but so regardless of where you're at, whether you set resolutions or you didn't set resolutions or you didn't set a goal, I think for us, if we focus on the what of 2016, we might miss out on something. So let me tell you a little story. There's a, a family who is named the Keating family, and Kristen Keating, she's a, a teacher in Great Valley School District where my wife works, and uh, they didn't know it, but their 2015 was going to be changed forever. On September 26th, they got up really early and made their way to the airport. And they got to the airport and they were waiting for a plane to come. And as the plane touched down, it landed and people got out of the airplane. And they got into a car and the car started to drive off. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And someone in a white suit walked out of the car. And the Pope came over and, and he saw their 10-year-old son, Michael, who has cerebral palsy. And his heart went out to Michael and he went over. And he touched Michael on the arm and he blessed him and he kissed his head. And it was just a really beautiful sight for the family. You know, news outlets worldwide actually picked up this story that the Pope went out of his way to, to bless a 10-year-old little boy. And man, the family thought, man, this is cool. And then they started to get emails and letters and communication from all the world, people asking, how can we help your family? And so um, one of their relatives put out a crowdfunding site and said, hey, this family needs a new van to transport their child because it doesn't work well anymore. And they have lots of other medical expenses. And today, over $133,000 was raised for that family. And they got a new van, and they're able to take care of a lot of other expenses. And you know what? Their 2015 wasn't changed by a what, but it was actually changed by a who. And so for us today, I want us to see that 2016 should be the year of the who, because we don't want to focus on what we need to do or what we should accomplish before we focus on the who. And so Jesus is going to have a conversation with his disciples where he's going to talk a little bit about this. So if you have an app or you have your Bible or you want to look up on the screen, we're going to look at Luke 9, 22 through 26 this morning. Luke 9, 22 through 26. It's really cool in the scripture that we get to kind of overhear Jesus' private conversations with people and, and see where he's coming from. So before we get into that passage, I want to pray for us and ask God to bless our morning. God, thank you that you love us so much that you've given us another year. And God, I pray for us in here today that we would take this year seriously to say, God, you've given us another time. Help us to live it for the most that we can. 
Help us to hear from you clearly and from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you a little bit of context for Luke 9. So many of you know this story, but Jesus is out teaching a giant crowd. The Bible tells us there's 5,000 men there, and then we have to assume that there's 5,000 women, their wives, and then, you know, no birth control, so 20,000 people with two kids of family, three kids of family, four kids of family, whatever. So there's somewhere between 10,000 and and 40,000 people out listening to Jesus. And then it gets to be dinner time, and the disciples are about to send everyone home, and Jesus says, hey, um, I want you to feed these guys. And so how many of you know there were no Costco's back then, right? So you're not going to Costco to pick up food for this 20,000 people. And so the disciples said, how do you want us to do that? And Jesus said, well, what do you have? And there was a, a young boy who had five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus said, that's enough. And so Jesus prayed over it. And as the disciples handed it out, it multiplied and grew. And this amazing thing happened where there was 12 basketfuls of food left over afterwards. And then we see Jesus and his disciples, and they kind of go off, and they're praying together. And Jesus asked this crucial question to his disciples. He said, hey, listen, who does this crowd say I am? He said, well, some people say John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah the prophet or another prophet. And they said, but who do you say I am? Like, who do you really think I am? And Peter, kind of one of the main disciples, says, well, you're the Christ, the Messiah, And the word Messiah, it really means, maybe you didn't know this, it means the anointed one. And so the anointed one in Jewish culture was supposed to be this person who was going to come in, take out the Roman government who was oppressing everybody in Israel, bring Israel up to its full reigning status to kind of be one of the powers of the world, and everything was going to be great. And so Jesus said, I am the Messiah. Don't tell anyone yet. We're not ready to reveal that to everyone And then he kind of changes the mood of everything. Let's look at verse 22. Talking about Jesus, it says, And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Now you just imagine the disciples saying, Excuse me, Jesus. Um, that's not what we learned in school. That's not what's supposed to happen. And then Jesus went on. And verse 23 said, Then he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And I think what Jesus is really trying to do here is he's trying to teach them a key lesson. He's telling them that the what of your life, all that you want to accomplish, is always transformed by the who of your life. And so I believe for us, for 2016, here's what we need to get. That you have the best 2016 when you change your focus from what to who. So I don't think New Year's resolutions or goals are bad. But I think for us, the goal shouldn't be 
focus on what are we going to do, what needs to change, what needs to get better, and instead focus on the who of Jesus, and that will change everything. And so if you want to change your focus this year from what to who, we have to understand three concepts from this passage. And so here's the first one. That you can change your focus when you know who is in charge. We'll read verse 23 again. It said, Then he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And so it seems like Jesus kind of just gave them some bad news. Right? They thought, yes, everything is going to be amazing. And then he said, but guess what? If you really want to be my disciple, which means a learner, and so everyone who follows Jesus as a disciple, here's what you have to do. And these are three commands. The first one is deny yourself. The second one is take up your cross daily. And the third one is follow me. Um, denying yourself, we kind of know what denying yourself means. But then, then we come to this part where take up your cross daily. And so we all can kind of look back and we, we know what the cross was about. But for these people, it was an instrument of torture and death, right? So you weren't getting a tattoo of a cross on you. You weren't wearing cross jewelry or a cross necklace at all. The cross was an instrument that the Roman government used to kind of torture and keep other civilizations that they already conquered in check. Right, so they would save it for the worst of the worst people, and it represented humiliation and death and complete rejection. And so Jesus is saying, hey, guess what, guys? If you want to follow me, you have to do what I did. Jesus is asking them to say, all of your desires, all of the things that you want to do, I want you to put them in the back seat, and I want you to take up what I want you to do. So denying yourself is more than this. It's more than saying, man, for the new year, I'm going to give up sugar. But then there's that Reese's peanut butter cup pack sitting in your house. Right? And, and so you, you, know, you walk by and say, I'm not going to eat that because I said no to sugar. And then you go buy it again and you're like, hmm, that probably doesn't have that much sugar in it. And you're like, but if I just sniff one, let me just sniff it and that'll, that'll cover the craving. Right? And then at the end... You know, four Reese's peanut butter cups are gone, and that's not a true story, but it could be. But it could be a true story. No, denying yourself really is, like I said, putting your desires in the back seat, and the same with taking up your cross. It's saying, man, everything that I am, I want it to be like Jesus. And then he also asks us to follow him and let him be the leader of our lives. And this isn't actually easy for us. We're going to go back to Peter and, and there's other Gospels, so the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, maybe you know that, but, but other Gospel writers tell this same story. But Luke leaves out a key part that the other Gospel writers take in. See, Jesus told Peter, man, the Son of Man has to suffer and be rejected by people, and then he'll die, and three days later he'll be raised. And then we see Peter's response, which Luke doesn't give us, but Matthew does. In Matthew 16, 22 through 23, it says this. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me and you do not have the in the mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter stops Jesus because he said, hey, Jesus, I don't think this is the way that that was supposed to go. 
And Jesus says, this is what I have to do, and this is where I'm going. And, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I'm, I'm just going to use context clues. I think Peter said no to Jesus because Peter was sort of in the inner circle of the Messiah or the future leader. Right? And so, so when you're in the inner circle and someone gets bumped up to be in leadership, then you get bumped up to be in leadership. And so Peter's probably thinking... Well, once Jesus takes over, I'm going to be up there. I'm going to be sort of a celebrity. Maybe even thought he was getting the VP nod, right? And so maybe Peter's motives of saying, Jesus, don't do that, were really about himself saying, well, that's not what my intentions are. That's not what I'm about. No, for some of us, honestly, doesn't it feel better to know that we're kind of in charge? Don't we think, like, keep calm, I got this under control, I can handle this. And in reality, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be in charge, I want to be in charge. And so it sounds harsh to say, listen, all of your desires and your dreams, everything that you plan on doing, you know what you should do? Just put them away and ask Jesus, what does he want you to do? And to me, just thinking about it, it seems like that could suck the joy out of life and say, what am I, a robot? And yet, if you've been following Jesus, you know that once you get to know him, that your desires actually become his desires. That his thoughts become his, your thoughts. And that his ways become your ways. And going after what God has for you actually becomes something that's joyful. And that you want to do. And so we have this battle inside that says, I want my way and God wants his way. And, and if we really want to have the best year, if we really want to see things change and move, it's saying, God, I trust you for what you want to do. And man, maybe we have to take up our cross daily, Luke says. But it'll be worth it. And it'll become a thing of joy. Not always easy, but joy. So if you want to change your focus, you need to let know who's in charge this year. Jesus is going to go on to kind of reinforce this verse with the next verse. In uh, Luke 9, 24, Jesus says this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And this is one of the reasons why not living for you is so important, because Jesus says, if you're living to save your life, you're going to lose it. And so how else do you change your focus? Well, you'll change your focus when you know who is the answer. Not what is the answer, but who is the answer. <clears throat> and so just like Jesus said, man, if you want to have true life, you have to die to yourself. Now he's saying if you want to save your life, you have to lose it for me. So I, I think of kind of saving my life. What, is that, what does that even mean? Because I'm, I'm not really sure in this context. I, I think it kind of means preserving your life. Like what do I need to do to have the most profitable best life. I want to be the most productive in 2016. I just want to live for everything I have. And you're saying if you want to do that, the goal is actually to lose your life for me and I'll save it. So many times we come up with these ideas and you know what? It's good. You say, I think I see some areas that need to grow in my life and so I plan and I look online and see all their people are doing it. And I ask people questions. People are successful. And then I have this plan. 
And yet what Jesus is saying here is that these answers aren't actually going to bring the long-term change that you're hoping for. So this Christmas, I, uh, I bought my wife a gift, and I got her a hoodie. So ladies, don't be jealous. If your husband didn't get you a hoodie, there's always next year. Okay, and it wasn't just any ordinary hoodie, though. On the internet, it told me that this was the best hoodie ever made. Okay, if someone on the internet said it, it must be true. And so I said, okay. Like, it was like wearing a cloud and snuggling with a sheep. It's all organic cotton, 100% in America. No animals were hurt making the hoodie, so it's the best hoodie ever made, basically. And so I gave it to my wife, and I told her, listen, this is no ordinary hoodie. It's the best hoodie ever made. And so she bought that for a little bit. And then I told her the price of it, and she said, oh. And I told her, it's okay, it's Christmas time, and so now she likes the hoodie and she wears it. But guess what? Just because it's the most amazing hoodie ever made, it didn't actually change her life. I think we're sold products that say, man, this is going to change your life, and we come up with ideas and goals, and we say, this is going to change our life. And what Jesus is saying is that the only thing that will change your life is giving it for me. And so many times we look everywhere else for answers. We think if we get a better job or a promotion or make more money or this relationship gets healed, this is the answer that we've been looking for. And man, I'm not surprised why so many people quit their New Year's resolutions. Like, because maybe they've accomplished them, they're just like, oh, that didn't bring the payoff that I was hoping for. And so we're constantly looking for something else And if I'm honest, when we miss Jesus as the answer, we start looking to other things, don't we? Like you start looking to, to, you run to food, or you run to alcohol to make things right. Or you run to shopping, or maybe you run to pornography, and say, well, this will give me peace. Or you run to a person or an unhealthy relationship, and we're just looking for answers everywhere. And Jesus said, listen, I am the answer. And I believe that he is the answer no matter what your situation is right now. There might be other things you can do to help your situation. But listen, Jesus is always the answer. And I hope that's comforting to you today. I hope that's comforting to you today if you're struggling financially that Jesus is the answer. That he's the one going to bring you peace. If you have some emotional hurts in your life, Jesus is the answer. He's going to help you with that when you give your life over to him. Jesus is the answer when you have relational conflict with other people. He heals relationships. He is the answer, and he wants us to get that in 2016. That we can try to run to other things, but he is the right answer. And so in order for us to change our focus from what to who, we have to believe that Jesus is the answer. He even told us in Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek first my kingdom And my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so regardless of what you're trying to change, Jesus is the answer to help. And so if we know we have to die to ourselves, deny ourselves, let Jesus lead. There's one more thing that that Jesus goes about and he, he just keeps hammering this same point. And so I think it's important and so I think we should talk about it in verse 
25, he says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. What does this mean? It means that you'll be able to change your focus when you know the what doesn't matter without the who. See, the what doesn't matter without the who. So Jesus says something, it's kind of an investment. Even if you invest everything and you gain the whole world, what good is it if you lose your very soul? And so an, an author that I was reading was really helpful with this, and he said, what does it mean to gain the whole world? I think that's a good question. We probably have our own ideas, but he said it comes in, in three things, ready? Property, provision, and power. That's what we think it means to gain the whole world. Property, provision, and power. Property, kind of know you have a house, car, clothes. You kind of have everything that you think someone would want. And then provision comes in money, that, that you're doing fine in your finances, that you have more than enough money. And then you have power, and power is really about relationships. And so you have great relationships with people. You have lots of people who kind of look up to you. Maybe you oversee a lot of people at work, or you have an influential Twitter account or blog or whatever it may be. But the picture of gaining the whole world is someone who has everything that the world thinks looks like success. And Jesus says, but if you don't have me, it's meaningless. So Jesus is saying, listen, you can either choose to invest in a life that ends up being priceless when you go after Christ, or you can invest in a life that ends up being worthless. I read a book recently. It was called uh, The Big Short by a guy named Michael Lewis. And so the whole book is about the subprime mortgage bond crisis in 2007, 2008. And if your eyes just glazed over, it's okay. Um, just think housing crisis in 2008 and how the economy kind of went downhill. And he said all of Wall Street was sold on these bonds. And they were saying, this is the future. This is what we're going to invest all of our money in. And then this is going to lead us and our economy is going to continue to go great. But the author said there was about a group of 20 people, and he kind of focuses on three or four of them, but a group of 20 people that knew something different. They saw the signs and they knew everything was about to crash. And so they bet against the housing market continuing to go forward. And then it came down to 2007, and everything started to, to look a little worse. And then all of a sudden, in the, in the turn of one week, everything kind of just crashed. And thousands of people were running around trying to figure out what to do. And yet there was a small group of, of 20 people who were making lots of money and had lots of peace at that moment. And to me, that kind of paints a picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and to put Jesus first. Because the whole world is saying, you have to get yours. And you have to live the most comfortable life and have everything right and have the perfect family. And that's what you strive after. And that's what you strive for at work. And followers of Jesus are like the 20 people who knew what was really happening. See, followers of Jesus, our job is to say, man, we're going to give our lives for Christ. And in the end, we're going to have the most worthwhile thing in the world, our soul, where we get to be with God one day in heaven and we get to help other people come to him. 
But if we're so focused on the what, it's easy for us to miss out on the who. Jesus said in verse 26, he said, whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of his Father and of his holy angels. Jesus painting a picture of the end to say, was your life about me or was it about you? Because I have a feeling, it doesn't say this in the text, but I have this little feeling that if your life is about Jesus, then you're willing to talk about Jesus. Then when people ask you about what you believe or about your faith, you're willing to speak up or ask you why you're different, you're willing to speak up. But if it's really about your own kingdom, it's probably easy just to kind of push away and say, I don't know how this is going to affect my reputation. I don't know how this is going to affect the way people see me. So what Jesus is really trying to drive home is, is your life about a who and not about a what? See, when you relinquish control of your life, your priorities start to change. And your life looks different. It might even look like to everyone else you're living foolishly. That you give away too much money. That you open your home to strangers and you have people and you don't really have that much privacy. And man, that you spend your time and and energy going to church and serving. And it might look foolish. But let me tell you, the people that you're actually serving don't think it's foolishness. The people that the radical love of Jesus is going forward, they don't quite get it, but they get the impact of it. Because I think when you know who's in charge, when you know who the answer is, when you know without the who, the what doesn't matter, the world can change around you and you'll change. See, my hope is that in 2016, that it's a year for us to become more like Jesus for you and for us as a church. You know, we've been talking in our staff and, and leadership, and we really think this, that 2016 is really a year of preparation. Maybe that's a word for you this year. Maybe it's preparing But for us, it's a year of preparation, and and what are we preparing for? Well, hopefully by the end of next year, we'll be in our new building on our property. And that's really, really exciting to think about. And we won't have to come here. We'll have a space of our own. And there's some things that we get excited about, right? We've been setting up and tearing down and bringing a truck and bringing everything that you see in here and then taking it down every week. And so we get really excited that we don't have to do that anymore. We get excited that we have a, a place where we can do things throughout the week that we couldn't do here. We get excited that we're building equity into a building instead of continuing to pay rent to the school district. And all those things are good. But if it only stays about a what, about that property, about what it means then it doesn't matter because it's all about a who. That building for us is all about a who. It's all about Jesus. It's something that he's given us as a tool in our hands to reach a new community, to live more missionally, to be have a space where people can say, okay, that's that church and this is how they're impacting our community. What a great opportunity that is. You know what we called our building campaign? We called it the Base Camp Initiative because what we want to see 
is that place become a base camp where people can be trained and prepared to go out into the rest of the world, where churches can be planted out of it, where missionaries can be sent out, where we can be equipped so that we can live out God's mission in the world. Because you know what? When we make our life about God, it's not, may I make my life about God so that I can go to heaven one day. That's a small part of it. Man, when you make your life about God, it's so you can continue to do what he did on earth for the lives of the people around you. Maybe for people in foreign lands who've never heard about Jesus. And so as we move into that building, the exciting part isn't, man, we have a permanent space and now we're good and now we don't have to do any of this. No. Man, now we have this tool that God wants to use to bring lots of people to come to know him. And so as a church, we started some new things to prepare. We have a focus class that we're having in February that teaches you how God's made you and how to use those gifts. We're having a Discover class on January 24th that's going to help people who don't know much about Jesus but committed their life to help them know who Jesus is and, and what it means to follow him. We have our groups that meet throughout the weeks where everyone should be involved in a group because you can't grow alone. We're setting up leadership structures and teams so that we can use the gifts and talents God's given Spring Valley to build up his kingdom. But none of that can happen if we just get focused on those things and not on the who that they're for. I wonder if, if us, like everyone sitting in this room, really got that it's about who and that everything in our life is about a who and not just a what. Here's what I think. I think our families would look and say, man, it's amazing to see how God's at work and they're gonna feel loved and served because you're not just about yourself, you're about others and you're about God. I think your neighbors who may have never seen you before and never knew that you cared, I think something's gonna change. I think there's gonna be people who don't have hope in your neighborhoods and in your workplaces who at the end of 2016 are gonna have hope once again because they met Jesus. Because you said, you know what, I'm not gonna make it about me, I'm gonna make it about the who. I think there's gonna be poor people in other countries and poor people around us who are gonna be fed and be warm because we love them and serve them. I think our houses are gonna be full of people who don't know Jesus because we said, you know what, it's not about me, it's not about my kingdom, my castle, it's about him. And so this morning, whether you're a, you're a person who makes goals or resolutions or a person who doesn't do that, I don't really care because I think Jesus is not asking us to set some kind of goal today. I think he's asking us, how are we going to make our life about him? He's asking us, what will we do to make 2016 about a who instead of a what? So I'm going to give us a minute to think about that and maybe that does mean a what type of action, but it's not just a what for what's sake. It's about a who. And so I'm going to have Vinny play, and I just want to give you, you know, a minute to think about this and maybe pray if you're used to praying. Pray and ask God to say, God, would you reveal that to me? Maybe he's already done that for you. But why don't we take a minute and do that right now? Say, God, what do you want? for me this year how can I make my life about you
you know, as you're praying, I really do believe that God's bringing things in your head, maybe something that you've never thought of before. For others of you, he's reminding you of something that he said to you in the past that you kind of just put out of your mind. For others of you, he's saying, trust me today with your life that I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be with you in the situation that's hard right now. God's saying, trust me, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal your situation in your life. I'm just going to give you a few more moments. here now maybe you came in this morning and uh, you aren't looking forward to 2016 but I pray that because Jesus is in your life that that will change things and listen if you're not a follower of Jesus or you've walked away and you've come back today is a great day to start following Jesus his arms are open he says come I love you if you want to make that commitment today, you can just mark that on the back of your card. I'd love to have all of us just to take our orange card out and, and there's a spot that says, my response to today's sermon is, love to have you write what you think God might be saying to you. Maybe you don't know yet and that's okay. Then you're gonna drop it in the offering bucket and honestly, we don't want you to write it so that we'll read all of them. We want you to write it. It's an act of saying, this is what I'm gonna do. So I'm gonna pray. And then we'll be dismissed this morning. The ushers will be back there to grab these for you. And uh, if you want to sit in your seats and meditate some more, you can feel free. But if not, enjoy 2016. And don't forget about our new sermon series next week. Invite a friend. God, thank you for another day with your people. I pray that today that we wouldn't say, man, that was good or that I heard from you only. But I'd say I heard from you and now I'm going forward. And with your help, I'm going to do what you called me to do. God, we love you. Help us to trust you with all that we are and all that we have today. In your name, Jesus. Amen.